Alright guys, this is Staying Alive, the podcast, and I'm Louis J, and I'm so grateful you're here today. Thanks for tuning in. I appreciate if you've uh, started following this podcast, and I really, really enjoy the comments that I've been getting. It's uh, keeping me on track and focused as to why we're here, so thanks for checking us out today. Right, so uh, how, was your, how was your week this week? Uh, we haven't podcasted in like a week and a half. Yeah, I feel, uh, I feel like I've missed something. It's almost the schedule that's come down for us has been so cool because I really look forward to these sessions. I look forward to, to getting in and just rapping, and that's what I love about what's happened. But um, my week has been incredible. I mean, you end up shutting down the cottage and you go into phase two of your life, which uh, eliminates, I don't want to call it a burden, but eliminates a very task-heavy environment. I mean, as much as the you putter and you, you socialize at the cottage, um, it's work. And when you remove a piece of that work, I kind of found myself a little lost last week. However, real work, you know, work that actually generates revenue is increased, and that's great. Um but I found that I had free time, and that was really a luxury that I haven't enjoyed for a long time. And I'm, I'm not saying that during COVID we didn't enjoy free time, but um, it was that, different. That's a, that's a different free time for sure. I mean, you know. Entirely different. Like, and to this point, um, I mean, I loved it. It gave me some, you know, putter around the house time, uh, which was great. I really, uh, I value that. And, of course, things are getting colder now. We're in uh, toque-wearing weather. Mm. And were you guys celebrating some birthdays this weekend? We had uh, we had both my daughters, uh, Madeline turned twenty one, Macy turned eighteen. They're three years and a day apart, which I thought was strategic at the beginning, but uh, they quickly realized they can't share birthday cakes after five or six years old. So <laughs> we had two separate <laughs> celebrations on two separate nights for two separate incredible kids, and I'm really really fortunate. We had our family. Um, you know, doing uh, doing our dinners, our, and I think probably our best cooked dinners ever uh, this weekend. So we're really getting the knack of food prep and and good choices in the house. And so is this everybody involved, or is it just there's one chef and a, a bunch of sous chefs? No, I think actually there's uh, everybody's got their own little contribution. Uh, Madeline's showing promise of being you know quite a talented uh, uh, chef or sous chef. Uh, Macy seems to be the baker. Um, Miller's happy to come and help out in any way that he can. And Tammy and I can kind of orchestrate from the uh, the background. But we had two great nights and, and a good family kind of parade on Sunday. We had uh, one of those come by and celebrate, have a cupcake, and keep your car moving. Well, in fact, we can have 25 people outside right now. So we had a, a fall party Oh wow! outside in front of the porch. We did chili, uh, hot, hot apple cider. And uh, hot chocolate. So that was a cool way for us to see some of our closest extended friends and an extended family that couldn't be part of our inside 10-person bubble. So, uh, yeah, it's been really great. I mean, um, it's darker in the morning, darker at night, so we're definitely in that territory where things tend to shift in your mind and and uh, work is busy, so we're planning all of our national conferences for for the spring. Um, and, of course, the, uh, the shops in, the, in this business – uh, as soon as you see an increase in numbers, it becomes somewhat, um, it becomes a change. It becomes a shift in people's mindsets. Uh, and understandably, everybody's still concerned about, you know, what this does to them and how it affects and what potentially could happen to them in a public environment. And although the protocols are really stringent 
to begin with for a place like Cabin, a, a perf- um, personal services shop like a barbershop or a hairdresser or, or any of the likes. It's always been very mandated, but more so now. And you still have to overcome the perception that something could potentially go wrong because it could. Yeah. You know, and so people are cautious. So the moment that that rise in numbers happens, we see a decrease or a decline in bookings. We see cancellations. And so, you know, that's a challenge because the guys that are, and, you know, our gals and I say guys and gals as if they're one because they, to me, they are. But the guys that are behind the chair here and they're doing their craft need to be busy and their hands need to be occupied. And, you know, um, when they're not, it becomes very challenging. Like anything else, when you're used to being busy and you're not, you kind of, you get a little, you know, squirrely. Yeah, there's nothing worse and not being busy, if, especially if you're a person that just loves to be busy. Yeah, I love to be busy. Yeah. I want to see that for the same. I want the same for these guys here. And uh, I hope that, you know, sooner than later we see the other side of this uh, the story. Yeah, we'll, we'll see where, where that takes us. I noticed that this weekend there was a huge uptick in your social media presence too. Like um, you were quite active uh, with the postings there. Well, you know, it's funny too because um, – for a long while, I don't know, let's rewind five or six years, it seemed to me that that was a priority, you know, where I wanted to I wanted to post a lot and I was always interested to find out how many people liked it and, you know, um, and, and what, what kind of influence it had and was it shared. And, you know, I was almost measuring my worth by what the response was. And... Over the years, I recognize that that's less important to me. It's actually, um, it's it becomes a bottom priority now. And even more so since I watched and talked about the, the movie Social Dilemma. Um, I took all the notifications off, all of my apps. And that in itself has been a huge shift in the way that I operate. Because I I, re- I realize that I'm, I'm not being distracted as much as I was. That's awesome. Like, yeah. What a change. Like in a little quick answer made for a, a completely different output. Um, but then I realized, too, that maybe I'd, uh, I I missed a piece of that. So to your point, I started posting some social media things. Um, people have always asked me about, you know, my opinion on, on either a personal issue or a business issue and what would I do. And so I've just been keeping notes of things that I think and I've, I've created like a bunch of quotes. Yeah. Um, I think that if I was ever to produce these, it would be advice for young people. And then I quickly realized this is not advice for young people. It's, it's beyond just advising my kids how to do things in life because that's my priority to make sure that they've really, um, they've really picked up on some of the things that I've been exposed to and learned. And so it started off as like memoirs to my kids. And uh, what I recognized was well, maybe this is valuable to other people as well. You know, and even to me in recalling some of the ways that I think about things and how I approach things. So we took it one step further and we produced, you know, a bunch of images from events that I've been part of, from meetings that I've hosted or from presentations that I've had on stage. And um, we applied uh, those quotes to those images. And so that was fun putting those up. And uh, I hadn't really come back to, you know, how many people were there, uh, how many people liked, how many people disliked, what were their comments were. But uh, once, because I don't have the notifications anymore, but once I did jump back in, it was like, well, this is really cool. Yeah. You know, there's some really positive effect that some of these just ways of being 
um, that I'm sharing with people have affected their personal lives and professional too, you know? Yeah. And those tools are there. They're very, I think they're very useful tools. It's just how we manage it moving forward. I mean, we talked about it in previous podcasts and stuff. Um, but basically it's how you manage your phone and, and by making those simple modifications of removing those notifications and stuff like that. So there's less time spent, but when you are on it, it's like the takeaway is it's much bigger. Yeah, well, and it's almost purpose-driven then, you know, and cer- certainly it serves like this moment of uh, entertainment because I think that's a lot of what this this <laughs> this uh, device or these devices do, and that's how they started. And actually, I quote, I, I, I was on somebody's Facebook this weekend because I see this massive shift in, you know, us and them, and that's actually very uh, alarming and potentially dangerous for us because... You know, um, people that are recognized as experts in their field have published documents or up uh, uploads and posts that have you understand X. And they're an expert. And so we're looking for them for advice and for knowledge. And it, not always are they truly experts. And they're producing content. And, you know, I hate to use the word fake news, but... Because it's just gross. Like, mm-hmm. the whole thing is gross. But there is such misinformation out there. And I saw a friend's post this weekend. And, of course, I might not um, completely agree. It was around mask wearing. And, and uh, listen, I, I don't have any of the answers. I don't, I don't subscribe or, or even suggest that I do uh, to any one particular answer. I just, what I feel right about, I'll do. And I certainly don't want to impose my belief in a pressure moment to say, you should, you have to. Um, But I just want people to be responsible and respectful. And when I saw that, you know, I was being criticized and the community was being criticized and we were being told what we were and all of a sudden we're all categorized and nobody really knows how we make our own individual decisions. So anyway, my, my comment was, you know, not always is the information accurate, which we know. Um, Be cautious of your sources, do some research and, you know, come up with your best solution here so that if you are really, truly trying to help people understand, then let's help educate them. Because I said, you know, there's, we've come a long way since the uh, invention of this Internet and for its initial purpose, which was not much more than porn, um, <laughs> that allows us to, you know, jump into this now. And all of a sudden we start, you know, disseminating that information to other people like it is our own belief or it's so well researched that it's accurate and true. And in fact, it's not. You know, and so I like the idea of using my device and this connection to things that help entertain me, help inspire, help help drive positivity um, and community and connection. Because I think the other side of what's going to happen here is very bleak and it's not something that I want to be part of. I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to say this now. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do everything I can to insist that my communities online, the people that I connect with and I follow and they follow me, that we're out to spread good information, positive information, reaffirmation about, you know, how things can be, um, you know, and then share some insights. So that's really what my thought is. And that's kind of where the idea of posting all those quotes were, were coming from. And actually, this podcast. Yeah, it, it's been a it's been an uh, inspiring week. That's for sure. We're, we've met a few times uh, managing the whole uh, uploading of our podcast, getting it out to distribution. We, we're like we've hit 
we've hit all the big players. It's per, it's really super exciting, and I couldn't be prouder because, I mean, you know, one minute you're not on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, you name all all the places where you can get this content, and and honestly, in ten minutes we started to populate all those platforms, and it was like my God, like we're 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 there with everybody else. We're actually contributing to content now, which is super exciting. I find uh, my thoughts are, are echoed. They're the same as yours, and I am really, really, um, I'm, I'm excited, and I feel like we're in a creative development stage, and that for me is one of my favorite places to be because uh, it allows for contribution and collaboration and then not knowing the outcome. And so I had a question the other day, um, as a result of all this, all this activity we went through last week, because it was a lot. It was great. Yeah, yeah it, and I had a comment around, um, so I'm on episode four, and I'm like, for what? And my friend says to me, of your podcast. I'm like, how did you find that? And Because we haven't really told anybody. No, we haven't plugged it. Well, yeah. I, I haven't mentioned it to anybody in, in my social media feeds, and I'm just kind of waiting for the right time, because still, this is... This is like a little a little plant that we we've, we've put the seed, yeah, and you're yes. just starting to see the sprout. And it's like, well, it's too quick to go and transplant that into the garden yet. Yes. And uh, I kind of feel like, well, we just we should just hold off a bit. But you know, that time's coming. I definitely want to sp- spread the word, and uh, I think the stuff that we're creating is so informative and helpful to people. I think it's and it's a good it's a good listen. I, I hope it is. I think I said. If at the very least it should be entertaining, if it's not informative, but if it's both those, then even better. But even the comments that I got from the people that we've shared it with and all those contributions and those texts and emails they sent me um, have really made me realize that maybe we're on to something cool. And, you know, the comment came to me, and this is amazing yeah. because with every positive reinforcement, you'll get the, uh, the, the, ne- the opposite of that, the negative kind of question about why, you know, what are you doing this for? And Oh yeah, everybody's got a podcast today and that's where everybody's moving and I'm like that's great. That's that's amazing because we've been given a platform to be able to have uh conversations and that's really what the intention was here. It's and and I thought about this too because once I got that question I'm like why am I really doing this? You know what I thought would be cool is that um at some point 20 years from now, you know when you know my grandkids are teenagers um what a great way to be able to have them understand more of what was happening in our time. You know, and um, of course, I'm fortunate. I still have a living grandmother um, who's 92 years old. My family on my mother's side loves to live. and They, yeah. they live for a long time. <laughs> awesome. And she's an amazing woman. She's a matriarch of our family. And, you know, I thought there's, there's and I said it before in a podcast where, it was like, if you want your your children to learn anything, have them spend time with seniors, and they end up shifting their minds. Um, kids ask, like, repeatedly for things they want. They're very, very direct. Right. And, you know, when you have a senior and a child together, and the child wants something, and the senior tries to navigate what that looks like, it's really cool to see. But, you know, for me, um, recognizing that spending time with seniors and elders is a is a very valuable lesson i don't think you realize until you're much older and you know i think that uh uh, having that is fortunate and and seeing how children operate in that environment is really neat because they just ask for what they want yeah it's so important to uh 
ask and get what you want too. I mean, um, I think sometimes is I, I, I sometimes wonder is it a manifestation um, when you know we wanted to do this this podcast and and we talked about it for months and months and basically we just decided on we mapped out a date and said we're we're going to sit down start talking on this day and there was a lot of prep work uh, behind the scenes to to be ready for it but we had no idea which way it was going to go but we got what we wanted and now <laughs> we want more <laughs> well yeah and i think we uh, collectively outlined what the requirements were and to your point earlier about how busy it's been in preparing for this it really has i would be and I would, on my own, it certainly would have been an overwhelming task, but with the help of, of, uh, from your side, Frank, and how we're putting this all together from the team side, that's helping coordinate that, uh, social media presence and writing the story, which was very challenging. You mm -hmm. know, there's, everybody's got a story, but to actually put that down on paper, it to me was a challenge because it's like, Oh, does this, is this really me? Does it sound like I'm trying to be something I'm not? And to peel back those words and th that layer of complexity just so it sounds better was a really valuable task. If for me, it was like, no, like uh, this is not, I'm not trying to do or be anything. I want a completely accurate reflection of who I am. And for more than not, it would be so that somebody else out there could draw a relationship, like, you know, the, so they could feel like there's somebody else out there just like me or I think like that, and if that's going to be that point of inspiration, then I want to package this whole thing up so that you can see what I'm doing and recognize that, you know, with very little formal training, actually with no formal training, right. with, uh, with no, and I'm not, I'm not at all criticizing when people go for post-secondary or um, an educated life because I have huge respect for the people that have a mind for that. Right. Mine, mine wasn't set in that specific trajectory but it allowed me to you know recognize that I can do anything I want um and that sounds a little cliche and when you try to tell your kids that it almost sounds gross coming out of you come on you know yeah. like you just want to encourage yes 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 but in reality it, it almost sounds like a fairy tale it does sound like a fairy tale but here we are living it you know uh you set your sights you make the plan and you dive in and this is a perfect example of doing exactly that in the middle of the storm when everybody's confused and a lot or sorry I shouldn't say everybody but a lot of people are very confused by what's next you know I think you've got to create that what's next moment and to your point you have to manifest it in some form or fashion to see where that takes you down the road I've often talked about being a futurist and looking into the crystal ball and trying to navigate what's next or how do I get there um What's going to be a roadblock for me? How am I going to overcome it? Uh, I'll, I'll clearly put in my mind, you know, what the success looks like for whatever it is I'm doing, whether that's um, a presentation on stage, whether it's uh, mentoring a small group of guys that want to learn more about, you know, how do you communicate with your, with your partner? How do you improve your relationships? Um, how do you use, you know, uh, uh, tools, you know, like I've got a bunch of friends that just were not, you know, uh, comfortable around power drills, power drills and tools. And so let's just get together one weekend and build something, you know, and all of a sudden everybody walks out of there with like, you know, a, a little, a little pep in your step, you know, feeling more confident about things. So 
Yeah, I, I'm grateful that there's a chance for us to do all this. And I think it really was just a matter of uh, saying, let's go for it. Let's see what that looks like and then do it. But staying on the theme of getting what you want, I've seen you pull off some interesting things like uh, checking into a hotel and getting the best suite in the hotel for the same price. You're getting, you're going backstage at events. You're getting the front row ticket to concerts. You're being recognized at a concert from the person that's performing on stage. Like th those things don't just happen. You know, there's something that you're doing to to make that happen, and I want to understand that a little clearer. Well, it's okay, cool. So, yeah, I think for a long while, um, a lot of those social media posts showed the life that I'm living, and um, I'm really excited about my life, so I love sharing it. It's not about me trying to flex and show everybody how cool I am uh, or... I mean, there is a level of coolness there, but... Well, thank you. Um <laughs> But, you know, I think it really is a true reflection. I can't even exaggerate the things that I put on because I get into some really amazing situations. And it's not by accident. You know, they're, they're, it's not just that I was standing in the right place for it because I'm very determined uh, and I'm driven and I see what that future moment looks like. And, well, if you talk about hotels, I take a lot yeah. of pride. First of all, people should recognize that um, I take a lot of pride in being very, very cheap. Uh, in the sense that I don't, I don't spend money on things that I don't think add value or aren't worth their weight. I know how much it costs to fill a shop or a store with product. I know how much it costs the merchant. So I'm always looking out for the best deal, you know, um, and not to, to uh, nickel and dime somebody or prevent them from making profit. That's always something that's in the back of my mind. Is this fair? What I'm asking for, is it fair? And, and so knowing that there is a way to be able to get that for less is something I'm really proud of. Um, I think but, that's a Canadian way. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think it's, there's, a, there's an art to it. It's a persuasive art. Right. Um, they say there's, you know, in marketing, it's the art of persuasion. And I think there's a science behind it as well. Because uh, the formula that I use is something that I've practiced year after year after year since I was a kid. Okay, get your pens out. Let's Ready? write this down. This is it. Uh, first of all, it always goes back to knowing your audience. Okay, who are you asking, and why are why are they gonna why are they gonna respond in a way that's gonna favor you? I'm painting this scenario right now. Me standing at a check-in counter at a hotel at a hotel in Vegas. The best. All right, this is my favorite because the person that's on the other side of the counter um, is in that position likely because they love making people happy. So understanding your audience is knowing that that person's here to make me happy. And I see so many people miss the mark on what the request is. They come in there and they say some fluffy, buttery conversation with the, um, the reservation clerk or whoever's behind the desk. And you can tell right away that it's not authentic. It's meant for them to get to what they're looking for. And I think that's the other part of this right away is that you have to be authentic in your ask. You, you understand who they are, be authentic in what you're asking. So you're standing at a check-in counter in Vegas. Does the ask come right out of the gate, or does it work into the conversation? This is the art of <laughs> persuasion, knowing <laughs> when. Okay. So, I mean, they have a task and a responsibility, and you, you really can't be disruptive in having them do what they do because that becomes overwhelming. And they're no longer focused on getting you to happy. They're focused on doing their job. So I always let them do what they need to do. 
um, the conversations are, are almost always the same. Um, hey, listen, this is my first time at the Bellagio or the Venetian or whatever that hotel brand is. It's my right. first time here. Um, I know you understand it and know it intimately. So can you tell me what room you would like to stay in? And so now I involve them in the conversation. I allow them to give me their insights. And that's going back to them wanting to make their, their experience happy. So the conversation is fluid. I mean, if there's a massive lineup, which is usually the case behind you, there's a one-on-one moment that you can get there and you can connect as humans. And so I always, in, uh, in those conversations, give them a scenario like, you know, um, this is my first time. This is my wife's first time. This is our anniversary. So we, we now can share a moment together that's important to me. And when they recognize that importance, then they come back with something that's going to help. And so not, off, not always will they come back and say, oh, I would stay in, you know, the sarcophagus suite or whatever it is. <laughs> um, they give me their insights, and, and now that becomes a learning for me because if I don't have a chance to get into that suite now, I know it for next time. So I'm grateful. Right. And then my next question is, how is it possible that I can get into that room at the same rate that I'm in right now? And this goes back to the age-old adage, which is, you don't ask, you don't get. Right. And so to me, it's a matter of understanding what am I asking for, being clear about it, seeing what's possible, and then engaging them in the conversation, having them be part of the outcome as if they provided a solution. And I'll tell you right now, in that conversation, there's an authenticity and there's a realness and there's an excitement from the clerk's part. There's an excitement from my part. We're celebrating. And if given the wherewithal that they can make that decision or make that happen, they almost always do, you know, because that now gives me a chance to be able to talk favorably about the brand, about the room. And of course, I'll post that and show that on social media. So this is a massive win-win. If I was to propose something that doesn't have a positive outcome for the people that I'm trying to do it with, then I'm going to, I'm going to fail. I'm going to fall short, you know, and I would learn for the next time how to do it better. So for me, it's really being a real human being and, and putting ourselves in each other's shoes, having them share in my excitement for this, and then making sure they recognize that there's a win. And I see people making that mistake all the time where they basically come in and promise that something's going to happen, um, that they, that, you know, like, well, if you don't give me an upgrade, I'm going to go stay at another hotel down the road. And, you know, that stuff is like so off the mark. So that's like a demand rather than an ask. Yeah, it's well. a demand. And that's where I think, um, I think people will, they'll realize that, that the push is, is going to meet with resistance. So in anything, when, you know, when your boss says to you, I expect you to do this and they've pushed you or, you know, um, say for instance, you wanted to have a meeting and you thought it was a good idea to share that with your colleagues and your senior management came down with, uh, we need to have a meeting. It's got to be about this. All of a sudden you're, you're defensive and you're, you're, you know, the, the backs go up and you're like, I wanted a meeting, but I don't want to have it under those circumstances. I'm not, no, I'm not part of this meeting. I don't want to be part of it. And you become resentful and you push back. Cause I think when a push comes, then people push back. Right. And so 
when people come in demanding and complaining and, you know, the food wasn't exactly right at the restaurant and now I, I must see a manager, you know, all of a sudden, just think about what happens there. You know, something was delayed, the kitchen was short-staffed and now all of a sudden you're waiting for your meal and the conversation at the table that was supposed to be celebratory turns into a focus on what's wrong. Complaints, yeah. Complaints, and now each other is complaining to each other about, you know, how terrible this is. And, and that can, that gets there very quickly, too. Like that. I, I've been in those situations. Like, whoa, what happened? What happened? And we were just talking about, you know, how great it was that the grass was growing a minute ago. And now we're talking about how, how pissed off we are because the waiter hasn't been here for two and a half minutes. And then that that explodes, it ignites, then you need to see the manager, and then you're like, we did, 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 did. And in fact, what really could happen there is like, I know you're busy. I know the restaurant's over overpopulate or over, uh, uh, we have, you got too many customers and not enough staff. You begin to be them for a minute. You employ empathy and you let them know that, hey, listen, we're going to be okay, but do me a favor, just please check on us because... This is this could turn out really, you know, really poorly and and not a good experience, but I want to help you make it great for us. And I'll tell you that approach. Wow. Yeah, that's the difference. That's that persuasion to have them. And I didn't ask for anything other than just make sure that you come by and check on us. We're going to be fine. Like go take care of the ones that are demanding and are are yelling at you because we can see it. This is obviously an off night. We're not gonna we're gonna hold you to it like it's the uh, the way that it works all the time. And, and all of a sudden, there's a visit from the manager. Thank you for your patience. You know, I appreciate that. We're really slammed tonight. We didn't expect it. One of our cooks was sick. And, hey, listen, you don't understand why that happened. But by understanding how you can be part of it and you can share the experience and make it less painful for them, I'll tell you the rewards that come to you are unimaginable. Mm. And to me, that's like, that's... That's knowing what you want and how to navigate getting there, you know. And so I always have the best rooms in the hotels. I think I've only ever been shut down once, um, and that was simply because of capacity. But my favorite upgrade was uh, Edmonton, Canada. We are doing an opening for an um, electronic store, and we hired a very, very popular um, rock star musician, um, Branding mogul, I won't say the name, Wow! but I asked for a couple of things there. One was, first in negotiating the deal with the, uh, with the rock star um, and television celebrity, it was, will you accept a personal invitation for dinner on Friday night, the night before we do the grand opening? Because he was there to sign autographs. Right. And um, that, that dinner reservation was accepted with a couple of conditions. One, we had to be in an incredible steakhouse. And at that time I was eating meat, so there was no compromise for the integrity. But even at that, he would have been our guest. So um, my partners and I put together a great, great night at Roos Chris Steakhouse, which is in um, uh, a former bank, like an old building in Edmonton, really cool. And so that was a condition. The other one was we had to have pretty faces, uh, which which was amazing because I never expected to hear that, but all of a sudden now we shared with the win-win, you know, so that that we would have the right uh, people to kind of accompany this environment and this and this person to make sure that he was seen in the right light. And if you don't ask, you don't get. And so we asked, and I got to have 
an audience and a private dinner with one of the world's largest rock legends in the history of music. And the insights and the conversations and the stories that came from that night are endless. I just, I could talk about them forever. I'm I'm curious, (laughs) and I'm sure everybody listening is curious too, who who that person was. Well, I mean... (laughs) Uh, well, it, okay, and it's not a compromise. Yeah. Uh, you know, we didn't talk about numbers and all that other fun stuff, but it was Gene Simmons of Kiss. Oh, cool. Yeah, it was cool. I mean, I'm of the pedigree that the Kiss Army would have been a very important part of my childhood. Right. For a, a time there, you know, Kiss double platinum, man. Yeah. And, uh, like, I was thrilled. My partners negotiated the deal, and we put together the ask, and, you know, it's it's amazing because uh, I learned a lot of lessons in that short period of time. We ended up being in company with each other for the weekend. Uh, the next night, we ended up um, accompanying him to go look for musicians in Edmonton. Oh wow! Which was very cool. Yeah, that's one of his one of his things that he does on a regular basis too. That just getting back to getting what you want. Yeah, you know, when you think about what must go through his mind on any any moment it's a matter of getting exactly what you want because um he negotiated multiple media interviews or i guess his people had him lined up from breakfast till sundown with here's your schedule we're going to maximize your time there he came for one particular reason to be with us and to do our program which was already a massive accomplishment for our client we were very very proud that we were able to negotiate that and then beyond that you know, from the minute he landed to the minute he got back on a plane, it was business. And it was like, flick the switch. Mm-hmm. And he's after exactly what he wanted. We ended up, or not we, he discovered um, a, very, a bunch of talented groups that night uh, after our event. And we were there alongside him as, you know, there's not Gene Simmons' entourage, but we were part of that. And that was hugely exciting. And so that was a matter of... If I didn't ask, we wouldn't have been part of that. And, you know, and he reciprocated and invited us out to be part of his. And wow. It's huge. It was really cool. And I learned a, a very valuable lesson that weekend because I came, you know, like him with the intention of doing business. And so you were brought in for one reason, and I thought it would be cool if I pitched an idea to Gene Simmons. <laughs> Not cool. <laughs> Not cool right off the bat. I mean... Because I really, although I thought I was doing really well in my art of negotiation and the persuasion uh, and having people take, you know, take the side that I was looking for, um, I completely forgot my rules. You know, I was overwhelmed by the fact that I could get an audience with such a decision maker, such a center of influence, that my, my idea was to create this, you know, rock school, you know, and have these multiple outlets around the world where... And this was the height of like you know American Idol was just really hitting its its max its right. its uh, its massive interest, and so here I thought there was a bunch of kids around the world or you know young adults that were looking to pursue music and they needed um, they needed almost like a like a, a place, mm-hmm. and so music schools of course existed, but I wanted to do my version of the school of rock and I wanted him to endorse it, and I came with a business plan and you know, and I. First of all, I went against all my rules. Right. I, I asked him right off the bat. It was like I came to the dance and I was already, you know, breakdancing in the middle of the floor and they hadn't started playing the song yet. I was yeah. out of sync with the timing. And then the ask wasn't clear as to what that would be for him. And so he said to me, <laughs> I said, 
hey, Gene, I got a concept that I wouldn't mind sharing. He goes, concepts are for losers. And I went, whoa. And he goes, listen, unless you could tell me how many zeros are before the decimal point, I don't listen to concepts. Wow. Yeah. So I, I can imagine how many people approach him with their idea on any given day. And he obviously has been through enough of them to have a very stock um, but clear answer. So go away, come back with something that makes sense. Tell me how many zeros and who's signing the check and, uh, you know, save the concept for a true tried um, business operation that's already got a case study behind it. Like, don't bring me something that's half-baked. And so uh, I, I took my... I took my, my plan, I rolled it up, I put it in my jacket, and uh, we went out to, to find, uh, at the time, it was a new band that was coming into the Canadian marketplace. It was a great lesson for me to realize that timing's everything. If I don't make clear what the benefit is to both sides, then that's likely going to get overlooked because that's an important piece of the persuasion. And uh, I didn't have options. I had nothing. I really wasn't prepared. Um, but that really only happens once. And if you let it happen twice, then that's really your problem. But it was a great, a great learning for me and um, a memory that I'll never forget. Because that same day, I was able to negotiate um, the biggest suite in the hotel. And that suite in the hotel, it was the Fairmont and the Fairmont has a suite that was, I think, if not built specifically for the Queen's visit, then in and around that type of story where it was it was reserved for the royalty. Royalty. I mean, come on. So, you know, when we walk into that room and there's, you know, a 20 foot or something, you know, Christmas tree in the middle of the room because it's that big and that grand and. And it was through the fine art of negotiation and slight persuasion that ended up getting that room for the same rate that we were paying for, you know, a junior suite. Well, I want to know the secret of it because uh, let's get back to the role playing of yes. me standing there at the at the check in counter. The person at the check in counter recommends the suite that they would stay in. How do I take that information and put it in our favor? Well, I think you've got to be willing to. Um, to play and so this will likely cost you more and if you go into that with the mindset that you're prepared to spend more money then that's an easy solution because this suite is normally an upgrade of $200 but you know we can we're not at capacity tonight we can get you in for $100 so that's an easy one so you always just follow the lead of what they're presenting to you on the table yes and if it just goes beyond your threshold for pain like for me it's i don't need to spend any more than i already have because chances are the hotel that i've chosen is already you know priced um at market which you know is is more than a motel uh, or or super eight um so to that point you just got to know where your threshold is and if it falls in line then of course that's the right way to do it and of course a note for anybody traveling to vegas there's always an upgrade available for next to nothing at the counter. Really? So here's a good piece of advice. Whenever booking anywhere, book the lowest possible rate at the lowest possible room type. And then when you're on site, have the conversation. Be authentic. Be real. Let them know that you're very excited about enjoying what they've built here. And if it's not free, it's next to free, especially Vegas. I mean, you can be doing room rates that would be two and $300 more a night 
online and then when you're at the hotel at the hotel it actually only costs you fifty dollars extra to upgrade so you can you can get to to live that moment that you know incredible vegas or new york or or la moment where you're in the best of the best but you've spent it like you were in something less <laughs> which is great and and that's for me um if in fact you don't have that threshold for pain then again getting back to the ask you know so is there anything that I can do to be in that rate for the night? You know, and if I blame this on, you know, my wife, I'll say, you know, something like she doesn't really travel as much as I do. Um, so this I want to make really special for her, which right. is the absolute truth. I want the experience because normally when I'm traveling, it's for conferences um, or it's to do presentations or to be part of a group. So a trade show. And so um, if and ever we can get the chance to travel together and she can enjoy the amenities of the hotel or or where we're at, the uh, the community that we're in, or the town, or the city, then I take advantage of that. And so, I really do want her time to be, you know, enjoyable there. So that's the truth. And so, almost always, they'll make sure they come on your side. That even goes so far as to getting past the gatekeeper at the concert. Yeah, know? that's an important one too, because I mean, those are two different uh, conversations and transactions there too. Right. Well, and I'm talking about taking back a couple of years now when. It was everything for me to find myself on the right side of the red rope. And I would focus on it. Uh, if there was a fashion show coming to town, I would do everything I could to get into that front row, uh, to get invited to the party. And quite often, I was never part of that group. I, I didn't have any reason to be there other than my personal love and interest for what was going on. I mean, I love social environments. So if you're hosting you know, the world's coolest party... I want to be there. Right. I've negotiated my way into, you know, uh, Paris Hilton's birthday and, <laughs> and private after party, you know, at, uh, at the Hard Rock in Vegas. And, you know, I found myself at the front row of LG Fashion Week enough times where it was the hustle that got me there. It was, it was being insistent and seeing myself sitting there and, and, then, and then making sure the people that could get me there were part of my conversation. Um, some people could look at that as manipulation. In fact, to me, it was it was an exercise of the truth, you know, um, because <laughs> because I've been there so often and so long now. Um, it wasn't. It didn't take too long for the invitations to start coming in, and you create yourself in the center of these circles. And um, if you're not interesting and you're not dynamic and you don't have a personality that suits that, then that's going to be short lived. It just so happens that if you give me a chance to be in an environment or a party or a social place, I not only um, um, have had the chance to light it up and to be part of that excitement, but I truly am interested. I am actually not doing anything out of my normal um, and I'm just me there. And it just so happens that for a lot of people, they like the way I perform. And in a lot of respects, they don't recognize that it's not really a performance. Right. It's just me. Just who you are. You know, I love the dance. I love the look. I love the the the, the media backdrops. I love all of that stuff because it's exciting. Um, does it mean anything? Not really, other than there's a personal satisfaction. So to me, that's, that's valuable and important. Um, but I know that I've made people feel very comfortable in their environments as a result of my participation. So it's almost like having the right attitude when you're going to, you know, everybody's getting ready to go out for the evening. It's having that attitude that 
we're going to go on like this incredible fun night. We have no idea which way it's going to go versus uh, I'm just going to go stand there and, and nurse my beer all night and just kind of watch what's going on. It's like you really do have a choice which way you want this evening to go. You do. And um, my my thrill, uh, actually, I have it in a lot of different areas. One is uh, garage selling. I have a thrill of finding the right thing for the right price. And that's a whole other world. But the thrill for me is to get in and then to be part of that mix. And uh, you do have a choice. You can stand over there and watch. Uh, I've never been a spectator. It's always been for me to be in the game. And I think a piece of this, if I was to impart any kind of advice at all, it's to move with confidence. You have to, you have to have confidence. Um, and even if it's you to know, muster up everything in you to be able to stand in front of that, uh, that gatekeeper or that door host or the security guard and make him realize that there's a reason for you to be in here. And part of it for me was, you know, how I looked. There's already a story that comes when I'm walking up without saying a word. So, you know, I would make sure that wherever I was going, I was the right solution or the right answer to be able to navigate my way through that door. Because I had no reason or right to be there, almost always. But you'd find me in the private after party at uh, Tao for you um, too with... Bono and and David Schwimmer and Daniel Lambois, like, you know, and all of a sudden I'm shaking hands with these icons. And at the time it was huge for me. It was like, well, for anybody, I mean, you're meeting, you know, you're meeting icons that, you know, shape the way we look at things in life and, uh, and entertain us. Yeah. And that was, that was so exciting. And I was with a bunch of my guys that were there with me. We, we had a, a work weekend that was really big and we were in Vegas, and we were celebrating, and what happened there was, you know, we saw the concert. Um, I ended up getting tickets for everybody. We went and celebrated, and then I said, we're going to get into the, we're going to get into the after party, and of course, they, they by this time in our, in our, our time together, knew that that was 100% true. It was going to happen because I was confident, I was driven, and you know, it goes so far as to what did I do to get even down that road? I mean, the amount of phone calls that we made just to be able to get on somebody's list and they all failed and that didn't stop me. I was determined we showed up. And when we showed up, um, <laughs> you end up negotiating what the environment looks like and where you could put yourself without being, you know, seen, recognized or heard. And this happened to be a back hallway that got into a room where there was uh, a security guard, but the security guard at the front was being approached by everybody. So his answer was immediately no, 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 no. no." Whereas I found that there was another entrance that was less trafficked. It's going to be less a challenge. You can have a conversation with the security guy and then you show up and you make your case. And in this case, it had to be different than what they've heard all night long. If you're going in with the same old, same old, just like at the front counter, if you're asking the same question that everybody else asks, you know, good luck. You're you're likely not going to get what you're after. So you have to recognize that there, there is an art to the conversation. There is a, I need for you and I to be the same people, you know, so that you can recognize I'm not trying to be better than you because I'm not. I'm not uh, arrogant. Uh, I am confident. And there's a big difference between those two. Right. And once you realize that your confidence can actually be your superpower, then 
you start to use it to your advantage over and over and over again. And uh, I found myself, you know, uh, at the BlackBerry 10 launch in Dubai, you know, at the at the bottom of the tower. And, you know, people are dying to get into this launch. And uh, here I am standing with, you know, people that in a, in a different country even, you know. Um, and the comment that I got from the gatekeeper there was, I love your mustaches. <laughs> <laughs> the many of them <laughs> it's if i had four mustaches i had one mustache and it was curled and that was the point of connection and it was as simple as that because that was a laugh and it was we we're exchanging and now i was quite clear and i always am i'm honest my goal is to make sure i'm in here you know so can you help me and by simply asking with that sense of authenticity um that recognition that you're really in control here. I'm not here to do anything wrong or bad. Can you somehow make this happen? You know, and so, you know, um, I found myself having an incredible time at that, that event, um, ended up just really taking it all in. And then it was recommended me to me that, uh, at that party that I take, I take a trip to Abu Dhabi, Abu Dhabi um, and spend time in this natural reserve um, at a hotel chain called uh, Banyan Tree. And the same thing happened again. Likely the best villa in Banyan Tree was my villa wow. where, you know, cantaloupe were coming up to drink out of my, my, my sinker pool, my tub that was outside on the deck. It was just like wow. unthinkable. Um, but it's all it's all based loosely on the confidence and the fact that you're being authentic and respectful. And I think that translates even to people that are starting businesses and, uh, or have started a business and is trying to grow is keeping that same mindset in everything, like negotiating your, your rent for your facility. If you have a storefront, um, I've been successful in my career in, in presenting concepts that not always wanted to be heard. Um, and I think that gets back to, how you position them, um, what kind of options you give in that presentation to um, to your audience. Like, did you give them something to think about? Even when it comes down to, well, you, you mentioned rent. You know, I've, I've been um, fortunate in that any of the locations that we've occupied for any of the businesses, um, they're landmark deals. They've never been done before. You know, we're, we're in one of the largest centers in Canada uh, with a deal that nobody else shares because I sat down to negotiate with the intention that they'll recognize how much they can be helping us by simply looking at this differently. And it was clear. I want to, want to make my case. I want you to understand why it's important to me. Um, I want to be respectful in my ask and I want you to treat this like partnerships. And so that persuasion, um, if it doesn't get you exactly what you're looking for, it gets you a close version of it. Right. It certainly moves the needle from where they came in. And I think that dance is very exciting. It's it's something that I love to be part of, um, right down to presenting an idea that might not be well received or you think that it's going to be taken negatively because it doesn't have a great output for the person that you're involving. So that might not have been a win-win but the presentation of that idea is about making sure it's done confidently, making sure they recognize that you're an expert. Maybe in the first two minutes of that conversation, make a point that had them learn something so they know that there's reason for them to listen to you and want to do something with you. And that goes as far as like a sales manager talking to his team or her team. 
um, right down to you know if it's if it's a hard negotiation for something that is beyond financial, maybe it requires somebody's input or their trust, you know, then then you really need to get back to that authenticity and why it is you're doing it and have them be part of that solution. And quite often, they'll actually deliver beyond your expectation, you know? Do you rec- uh, recommend any type of books or courses or anything like that that probably speak more in depth about, is this basically the art of negotiating, what, what you're presenting to us? Well, I wouldn't be able to recommend any books because um, that's just not my space. You However, don't I, no, don't I, I don't spend time reading, um, which is something I wish I did, but it's never been of interest because I don't learn that way. Um, but I have, uh, it, for me, it's just been years of practice um, and the, the results just keep on motivating me to be better at it. So I would first say that, you know, try on your own, you know, uh, but I think taking somebody's advice is a great idea. And I know that the internet is peppered with the art of persuasion, negotiation management, um, how to get what you want. I mean, there's likely a hundred, a thousand podcasts that at some point, um, had somebody speaking, you know, about the tactics right. and, and how-tos, you know, whereas I can only tell you about the benefits and the outcome um, because I think it's going to be individual and everybody, at least if you're taking anything away from this today, it's that to recognize that there is a human on the other end of this negotiation and they want desperately to help you. They want to be, um, they want to be looked at as a contribution. Um, I'll give you another example because this was, it was a great lesson for my son Miller he wanted to see Lady Gaga and it was his birthday or something that we were celebrating. And I thought, well, those are expensive tickets, but I'm still going to, um, I'm still going to, to go ahead and do that because it was important to him. So I broke every rule that I would ever want to follow. I bought tickets online from a private seller and don't transfer money and don't do this and don't do that. Everything that I know made a lot of sense was out the window because I was, um, manipulated. I was made believe that this is a mother that can't take her daughter to the show and now has tickets available, but only has a 15 minute lunch and needs to be able to do this transaction. Now the show's tonight. I bought the tickets and there were no tickets. Ugh. It was terrible. It was such a letdown. I had to call Miller and say, we can't do it tonight, bud. I'm really sorry. We just got ripped off. It cost me a fair bit of money. I think $250 a ticket. Yeah which is, you know, beyond my threshold for pain, knowing that I'm cheap, mm-hmm. um, frugal. Um, but I decided that we were going to go downtown anyway because it was something that was very exciting for him, and I felt like I kind of burst the balloon, and that was my bad, you know, where if I just went through the regular channels to begin with, chances are we would have been in a seat. You would have been in there, yeah. Here's where the, the, the magic happened. We stood in line. There was still tickets to the box office. We moved up and I said, how many, uh, how much for two tickets anywhere in the stadium? And I think it was $280 was all they had available. It was like, now we're going to be dumping, you know, after $500, we're going to be dumping $600. Like this is way too much money for me. And, you know, I said, I, I explained the situation that we just got ripped off online. And is there anything else that's available that could help us? So I brought them into my world yeah. in the conversation. They felt, you know, compassionate. There was empathy for sure. And um, I don't think we can do anything for you, sir. I'm really sorry. 
Uh, and I said, well, listen, that's okay. I'm going to go see if maybe I can buy scalpers. So Miller and I, you know, head down, <laughs> walked out to the center of the area there, um, still with an eye distance, I guess, or an eye shot. They saw us. And all of a sudden, I get the tap on the shoulder, and it's the guy from behind the counter that says, I just talked to my manager, and we got something for you. What? Yeah. And so, you know, here we are, <laughs> and and the, this story gets turned around where we get to stand up in front of there, and he said, I just told my manager about you guys getting ripped off, and um, I saw how, how sad your son was, and so I want to help. Wow. Yeah. And that's... It wasn't a manipulation. It was a truth. Right. And it was authentic. And it was Miller was sad. And we'd already blown a bunch of cash. So, good morning. Hey. Good morning, cabin. Good morning, cabin. Um, Take it. Oh, somebody got it. Somebody got it. We're okay. <laughs> Business is moving along. Yeah, it's happening. Yeah. So, the beautiful part there was is that, you know, I, I was able to show Miller how compassion moves people, how the want to help made somebody take a, take a, a situation that wasn't great and made it good. We had floor seats for $85 because they were reserved for some group and there was no chance they were all using these. The concert was starting in five minutes or whatever. So wow. we ended up covering the costs or whatever their costs were. It was $85. We were on the floor, you know, moving from stage to stage to stage because Gaga has this really cool stage set up and, and, the, you know, my son's eyes lit up and I was just so happy because I was able to turn a bad situation into good, not because of me, but because somebody else was employed by me to be part of our situation. And I explained to Miller that those two people right there felt great as a result of helping us. And what a good feeling it was for us because, you know, we saw that somebody could really lift you up. And, and that's really where it's a matter of getting what you want. It's, it's a matter of understanding how it is we can all benefit from this. This right. is not a give it to me, give it to me. I deserve it moment. This is a chance to be able to say, hey, what's within your power? You know, what can you do to help? And if we didn't ask, we, of course, wouldn't have got. Right. Perfect. Well, it's been an incredibly busy uh, last couple of weeks. Um with the meetings together, getting the podcast launched, uh, putting up all, all those episodes. We've been working on a whole bunch of different plat platforms. One of the things we like to do at the end of every podcast is maybe a recommend on what app that you're using now um, that's kind of helping you benefit your navigation through the week or, or the months. Uh, anything on, on top of mind that you could recommend? Yeah, I think that uh, in, in negotiating and navigating through three or four businesses at any given time, I like to consolidate everything and bring it down to one line of communication. Otherwise, you're lost. At least I am. And so we've we've used over the last, I guess, six or seven months now, uh, we found it maybe just before COVID. Maybe it's longer. Um, but it's the Slack app. And now I can consolidate all of my businesses into one line of communication. It shares my calendar. I can have one-on-one -on -one messages, one-to-many messages. You can create small groups in there so you can blast out communication. So I think that that's very productive, and uh, it's been a great benefit to us. Cool. Looking forward to uh, the next week. So just a message to everybody who's listening. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube and all the places where you get your podcasts. Like and subscribe because we really appreciate it, and we want to keep doing this for a long, long time. I agree. Um, this is Staying Alive. I'm Louis J. That's Frank there behind the deck. And uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody. You have a great day. Thanks.